0: The Beacon, celebrating when God uses the unexpected to do the unexplainable.
1: Hey, well, greetings. Good morning. If You're listening to us in the morning. Uh, my name is Steve Woods. Welcome to The Beacon. I'm your host. I have in studio with me uh, uh, my co-host and friend and and uh, partner in ministry, Jeff Blake. Good Jeff, morning, Steve. Jeff and I have uh, the privilege this morning of welcoming uh, our guest from Man in the Mirror, Greg English. He's the area director for the greater Phoenix region of the ministry. Greg, thank you so much for being with us today.
2: Wow, Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it.
1: Well, we're thrilled that you're here. And uh, if you are a new listener to The Beacon here on 960, The Patriot on our Sunday morning airtime, or if you're catching us as a podcast, either way, welcome. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, The Beacon is sponsored by Phoenix Christian, and we're thankful for our our sponsor and for uh, making the opportunity for us to be on the air. And uh, again, today we have a chance to to look into ways in which God uses the unexpected to do the unexplainable. God's always moving. He's always working. His plans are perfect. They're perfectly timed. Uh, and for those uh, who have the opportunity to experience that, we like to shine a brighter light on what God's doing, get to a higher mountaintop so that more people can see and hear Uh, that story. So Greg, thank you again for being a part of the show today. We're excited for the listeners and really for Jeff and I to get a chance to get to know you better. We met recently and and, uh, we're just thrilled that you're here.
2: Yeah, good. It's really good to be here. and, And I appreciate the opportunity, actually, just to sort of share a little bit of the journey that God's had me on.
1: Yeah, well, just... We want to unpack a little bit your personal story in this first segment, but for the benefit of the listeners who maybe have heard of Man in the Mirror but don't know a lot or haven't even heard about Man in the Mirror, give us just a brief intro to Man in the Mirror. The yeah,
2: sure. So Man in the Mirror is actually a national organization. Uh, it's been around since 1986, and its, its primary purpose is to be a ministry to churches, specifically to leadership in churches, to help them create pathways to disciple men within the context of... Of their church fantastic. great mission
1: well and and the ministry shares the name of a book that was written by patrick morley about that same time right yeah actually
2: that was the genesis of that as a result of patrick morley who is our founder and executive chairman he uh he had a story and he put pen to paper and created a book called the man in the mirror which was a fantastic declaration of his pathway uh, that led him to a personal discipleship miracle within his life and he went I've got to get that message out. And so he he wrote this book in 1986, and that's the bedrock of the organization.
1: Well, and and even the writing of the book is in keeping with the theme of our show. This is not a guy who was an author. This is not a guy who set out to be a well-known author. He was a real estate uh, professional successful in that field but also you know like i think most of us will describe ourselves who understand that in christ we're all in full-time ministry i think he would have probably said at that time hey, i'm a full-time minister of the gospel of jesus christ cleverly disguised as a real estate guy right
2: that is exactly if patrick were sitting in this studio this morning that is precisely what he would say to you yeah. out of a heart of humility just to be able to say this what has happened to
1: me needs to be available to every man in america that's fantastic well and i i am one of those men in america who in the early 90s as a as a gift a distribution uh received a copy of the book which i hold in my hand i pulled it off the shelf again this morning it's the spine is broken there's lots of highlighting and lines underlined and it's just it's really the the opportunity to have you here has prompted me to go back because this same truth that was profoundly impactful in my life in that season, is still the truth, and yes. still impactful. And so I'm I'm one of uh, the millions of folks who uh, have possessed a copy and that that uh, God has uh, blessed in the reading of what Patrick wrote and what God was teaching him and sharing that. And so, uh, you know, please pass along my gratitude to uh, to your colleague.
2: I would be happy to do that. You know, you were talking earlier at the beginning that God does the unexpected, and and that book that you hold in your hand um, actually was a total flop uh, when it was first published and just literally sat in boxes in a warehouse, and uh, Patrick said, well, all right, whatever. Under normal distribution channels, this isn't going anywhere, so we'll just give them away. And so his crew started just like handing them out to people they thought might have an interest. So they gave him, you know, Pastor John. And John read it and went, oh, my goodness, I could so relate to this personally and for my church. And then he handed it to Elder Steve and said, oh, you got to check this out. And, and literally today, uh, in the top 100 most influential writings in America, and God has blessed it in a huge way. And it's not about the book. It's about the the relatable information that's inside that book that every man can resonate with.
1: Well, that's right, and I would say it was knucklehead Steve who got it probably at just the right, right. time at a season of my, you know, uh, life and professional life right. and marriage that, you know, was really, really beneficial. So, uh, you know, thank goodness it was a, a flop, because had it been successful, it would have been mildly successful. But fortunately, uh, he said, Hey, these aren't doing anybody any good in the warehouse. Mm. Uh, you know, got them into circulation. And, and now there's how many millions of copies? Oh,
2: I, th- I, Don't fact check me on this, but I think it's like 16 million copies. I mean, it's ridiculous.
1: We were talking uh, um, off air, and it's in what was that statistic? It's in the top 100.
2: Yeah, you know? the, the, as a result of that writing, it's he and Man in the Mirror is considered to be in the top 100. Uh, most influential books written in in Christendom. Well, fantastic. In America,
1: well, we're certainly going to spend more time talking about men in the mirror, the ministry, the yeah. mission, the opportunity to partner with with uh, with men around and with churches uh, and the men that attend them, and and uh, the impact that that has not only on the men but on uh, their families, their household, their workplace, their lives, and the influences. Is uh is significant, and we're going to talk more about that for sure in the show. But for the benefit of the listeners, let's talk about Greg for a minute. Uh, tell me about uh, your your life, your family, where you're originally from. Uh, we are in Phoenix, but you've not always been in Phoenix.
2: No, I'm I'm actually a Northwesterner, um, not on the East Coast, but on the West Coast. So I was born and raised in Bend, Oregon, and and really my story starts at 19. Um, I was a I was a dysfunctional, really angry young man. Uh, I had two high-functioning alcoholic parents, and and they were good parents, but I just I scrapped it out with four other brothers, and and I, I just was going the pathway that wasn't a very good pathway. And I, as I said, I was so angry at life, and uh, I just was filled with myself, and and I had no peace whatsoever. And uh, God God planned an intersection, and my best friend, who I had had since like the seventh grade, showed up one day in my life, and it was that intersection, that moment where he led me to truth and said I could have a peace that passed all of Greg's human understanding. And I went, aha, that's what I want. And that was a turning point. And what is the miracle in my story, which I think has been completely—this is a 47-year-old story for me—but— what I found happened is within twenty four hours of my yielding my life to Jesus Christ to have him save me from my sin and give me this precious gift of eternal life that was that was mind blowing to me at nineteen because i I passed from darkness to light, and I knew it i mean there was no ambiguity whatsoever. The night, that weekend, that happened on a, about 2 o'clock in the morning in March of 1972. Sunday morning, God had led me 13 hours away by driving in a little town of Livingston, Montana, into a church. Wow. I had never been to any churches in that town. All I knew were the bars. And I got into this church, and that man turned out to be my first discipler. Mm-hmm. And that pastor put me underneath his wing. He taught me how to change oil in my car. He, he just taught me about life and began to mentor me and love me. And I got to be tucked underneath his wing for like three years. And as I look back on that precious gift of grace that God gave me, that is really speaks volumes into, into the trajectory ultimately of my life, understanding that I, everybody needs somebody else in their life to be yeah. able to have that.
1: Wow, how cool is that and And that principle of men investing in you know uh, men that are coming behind is you know, it, was, the... it was
2: huge and and life transforming i I had never heard that I was loved ever mm. uh, I don't ever remember I hardly ever got hugged um and I don't believe I ever was told that I was loved i might that might have happened one time before I was nineteen, and there was just this quantum change that took place <laughs> after that, and I went oh man, this is, cr- this is a crazy kind of a life. And I, I've, I, I can remember that like it was yesterday.
1: Well, and, and that's the sad, but true reality is that your experience is more normal than any of us would like it to be. That experience of not knowing that kind of, of love that I am love, that I'm, you know, created for a purpose that I'm, that purpose is to have a relationship with the God of the universe. and, and, to get that and to, to have that transformation in your, in your life is amazing. So, uh, so you're, you go into the church, you meet a guy, your, your relationship's growing. Tell us how you're, how, uh, how did we get to today in your family?
2: Well, you know, like, like what happens with most men, I, I, I fell in love with a girl who uh, turned out to be my wife and oh. and she gave us two beautiful daughters and then they married two incredible, handsome, God-fearing men and they started reproducing and being fruitful and <laughs> multiplying the earth and it was like, this is awesome. And so, uh, so I sit here before you today. Um, having married uh, my, my love of my wife, whose name is Jill, and we've been together for 38 years oh, that's in, fantastic. in marriage, and we've got five grandkids. Right on. And uh, now I get the privilege of being able to speak into another generation, and, uh, and when that's your own family, that's pretty cool.
1: That's uh, super cool. How did you meet Jill?
2: Uh, believe it or not, um, she was a church secretary. Okay. And as a result of my conversion, I, I went back to my hometown where my parents were with, the, with a clear burden that they needed to have the hope of Jesus Christ. And I felt like I was the one to bring the message of salvation to my family, to my four brothers, and to my mom and dad. And so I moved back to this hometown. I didn't have a place to live. And I went to the church because I thought, well, surely they'll know somebody that's got an apartment or whatever. And I walked into the church office, and there's this beautiful church secretary, (laughs) like the most amazing church secretary I've ever seen. I love it. And uh, she didn't have a place to tell me anything about. And I went, oh, okay. And I left kind of dejected. And just a little bit of while later, I drive up to my new duplex that I finally found on my own, and she's standing In front of her duplex, and we're neighbors. (laughs) But wait, it gets better.
1: Oh, man. She's
2: driving a pink Chevy Impala. 1964, and I'm driving a blue Chevy Impala. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some, or actually, it was a Mercury Comet, is what it was.
1: Sometimes I wonder if God doesn't just put it on the bottom shelf for us because He knows that, hey, knucklehead, you gotta, you gotta, I gotta make this easy for you. That's uh, a gift. That's awesome. Well, listen, Greg. Again, thank you for being on the show. If our listeners are just tuning in or catching us, uh, we have Greg english here he is the uh area director for the greater phoenix region we're going to continue unfolding a little bit of his story you don't want to miss what comes next in greg's story thanks for tuning into the beacon thanks for listening to 960 the patriot we're thrilled that you've tuned in today
0: The Beacon is presented by Phoenix Christian, a school celebrating excellence in education since 1949. Learn more at phoenixchristian.org.
1: Hey, well, welcome back to the Beacon. My name is Steve Woods. I serve as your host in studio today. With me, Jeff Blake, Greg English. Uh, really enjoying getting to know Greg a little bit in this conversation. And uh, Greg, we were we were talking off air, and I said, you know, man, you sound great in that first segment. Tell me a little bit more about your uh, broadcast background, and and now I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to give the listeners the same uh, explanation as to why you sound so comfortable and and great on the air. Go ahead. So what I sound like and what I'm feeling
2: like are probably two different things. But
1: <laughs> yeah, that's not really fair. Um, so
2: when I was um, when I was 13, um, I wanted to do something. I, I think I just sort of was born with an entrepreneurial spirit. And uh, so I started publishing my own newspaper. At awesome. age 13, it was a little neighborhood gossip rag, and I called. Prayed- the It was called, are you ready for this? Ready. Plain English. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Perfect.
2: So, and we published that for about two years, and that led to an introduction to the publisher of the actual real newspaper in the community called the Ben Bulletin. And uh, he he trained me how to take pictures and write sports, and so I became a stringer for that. And then I ended up in high school, and in high school, we were cutting PSAs, public service announcements, for high school events, and that led to a disc jockey position, and uh, so I got to do the, the I, I got to be on air and then that led, there was no money in being on air. So I went to sales and then uh, I did that for a while. And then I ended up in a sales manager position at a television station
1: some years later. So,
2: yeah. So I, I got to do quite a bit of the media gig.
1: It was uh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, and it then, was a lot of fun. And then somehow along the way. Uh, your professional life transitioned from being in those roles again as a full-time minister of the gospel cleverly disguised in all those capacities right, exactly to not so cleverly disguised right you had an opportunity to do ministry as a vocation i did there was it was actually i i ended up in a business pathway the, uh so
2: I ended up <laughs> I ended up starting a, a furniture business um because that was another sales thing that ended up and so I ended up opening up my own furniture store. But okay. while I was doing that I became I, I got what Bill Hybels calls the holy discontent and it was like, if I have to sell one more sofa ever <laughs> that has absolutely no eternal significance, mm. I'm, I'm just going to go crazy. And so God was carving on me through this career path and trying to take care of my family and all these things. And, and, I you know, I was serving in the church. I was a Sunday school teacher, and I was on the deacon board, and I was doing all those things. But there was just this unrest inside of me, and I, I finally, ultimately— Uh, responded to a call that was actually given to me very clearly in a park in New Hampshire in 1974, two years after I was saved, where God had told me that I was to be a pastor. I was to be in vocational ministry. And uh, long story short, I just, I didn't want to do that. So, So I ended up way later, 1998, surrendering to that call, that took me to seminary. And so at the age of 49, I I ended up going to seminary. And then what do you do when you get out of seminary? You go into full-time vocational work. And so that started me on the the pastoral path. And uh, so I I took all the package of all the life experiences and happily, cheerfully applied that in ministry. And and, and truthfully, all of those preparatory years mm-hmm. just crashed down the doors for me to be able to build relationships and, and, and just work with these men because they knew I got where they lived. And, uh, we just, uh, we had so much fun in those, in those beginning days of men's ministry that I had no idea what that even looked like. I just instinctively just went, come on guys, let's do this together. Right. right. And uh, so we'd get a book, we get a note. So we get the Bible and we just start doing life together. And it's like, I love this. It's like, this is exciting
1: to be able to do that. So, well, and the and the truth of the matter is, and you hear it in your own story, that although you went to seminary at age forty nine, you were being equipped for ministry all of those years prior in all of that capacity and the ability to relate and to connect and to lead and to, and to sell. Even you know the uh, the opportunities that were out there for these men. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's exciting and incredible to hear how God was. Perfectly orchestrating that, yeah he gave you that glimpse early. Yes, he did. He gave you the call that you never forgot about, mm-hmm. but ignored for a long time. I just don't want to do that. Yeah, and uh, and yet, as it turns out, you know, God has a funny way of uh, having His plans <laughs> yeah. become our plans. right. Which is just a great ride to be on. So. Uh, talk a little bit about your your today involvement with Man in the Mirror. Um, after having been, you know, vocational ministry, a, a pastor leading men's things in a church, now to to transition to, in essence, a, a support role for churches, the church in a larger sense, uh, in you know a a, a ministry that is. You know, isn't brick and mortar, but is really relational and and instructional and and useful uh, and equipping. Talk about that transition for you. It's uh, you're relatively new with the organization, right?
2: Yeah, I am. I actually just began officially in uh, August of okay. this of this year. But you know, speaking to God's preparation, I always kind of joke that God is the ultimate green God. He doesn't waste anything. He recycles that's everything in our life. Boy, but,
1: that's a great way to put it.
2: Um, but in in the sense of pastoral ministry, I I have had such a good Good ride in pastoral ministry for the past 15 years, but I would not be sitting at this microphone today speaking with you men in this room were it not for God's sovereign grace and leadership to cultivate me and my heart and my pastoral leadership skills and and to be able to really get down into the heart of where men are and where their lives are, because I've had uh, I've had the privilege of having the front row seat into literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of men's lives in the last fifteen years from a pastoral perspective and being able to shepherd them and mentor them and and they disciple me and I disciple them. And so there was a natural exit that took place that that only God orchestrates and I I would say to that one man that's in our audience today, it's like God is at work in your life where you are, no matter what you are doing. And you don't have to be a pastor and you don't have to be a missionary. You could be a welder. You could be, uh, be working at Starbucks, making some incredible coffee. I mean, it's God is at work in the heart of mankind every single day. And we blow through those stop signs so often. And so the role that I have now is being able to to help cast some vision for that man, because most men in America today were suffering from an identity crisis because culture has sold us a product that we bought, and it's a really terrible lie, and that's both inside and outside the church, but tragedy that it's inside the church, and understanding that these born-again men don't know who they are, and then out of, out of that one lie that they buy, then all of the decisions and things that take place after that end up being a, a pretty tragic story for so many men, and, and I'm committed through Man in the Mirror and through this discipleship ministry to help right that ship within the context of the local church, and because God has allowed me to be in this position right now, I, I think that uh, we could see a lot of fruit in men's lives as a result.
1: Well, I'm certain of it, and in, and uh, on a very personal note, in my own life, I would say that I, while I'm the grandson of two men that were both Baptist preachers, my parents are both preachers' kids, and you know the legacy that I benefit from in their lives every day is something that I don't take for granted. I think in my career, where I was, you know, uh, selling commercial printing, I felt like the enemy probably took that reality. This is what I was doing, and tried to say, well, you know, you're not doing anything for the sake of eternity. Your grandfathers gave their lives to ministry and devalue kind of who we are and where we are. So it may be that I'm not the only one that feels that way. And if you're a listener who's had some of those thoughts, come back in this next segment as we can continue to unpack the truth that will transform not just your day, but your life. Thanks for listening.
0: the beacon is made possible by phoenix christian and listeners like you
1: hey thanks again for staying with us on the beacon uh if you just happen to be joining us we have in studio greg english today jeff uh, blake is also here we'll hear more from jeff in our final segment as a representative of our sponsor phoenix christian Uh, again thanks to 960 the patriot for having us on the air and and again, special thanks to you, Greg, for being here. You know, we're talking a little bit about this transformational experience in in our lives, and you know, your comments in the last segment really refresh a memory of my own, where uh, having had a, a, a number of men that before I realized what they were doing were speaking into my life, were modeling uh, the the life of Christ for me in a, in a way that was just like your guy, we weren't changing the oil, but we were going fishing on the river, or we were spending time together, uh, whatever that was. And uh, I look back on those on those times and I realize it was very impactful in my own life. And then, you know, I'm thinking now about those that might be in the hearing of our show, whether it's uh, your, your uh, whatever season of life you're at almost is irrelevant, or if you're a man or a woman listening, the truth of the matter is, all of us, like you said, are are at risk to buy a lie from society, really authored by the enemy of truth. Uh, who that's what he's all about. And and for me personally, the lie that rendered me somewhat ineffective was this idea that hey, you've got a lineage here of uh, households of faith and people that have given their life to vocational ministry and you know, you're out hawking the next printing job. What does that have to do with the, with the kingdom? And so that that thought process rendered me ineffective when in reality with Christ, any one of us is already in full-time ministry. And those times when in my office at that season in my life, my early 30s, uh, I had, you know, coworkers who would say, hey, are you thinking about, I, mean, I know you're a church guy and I know you're, you know, uh, you have a f- faith in your life, but are you thinking about, Uh, you know, going into ministry. And I said, don't you get it? That's what I just realized. I'm already in full-time ministry. I just so happen to be, as we said before, cleverly disguised in this role as, you know, as a salesperson, as a professional, as a husband, as a father, as a friend. Um, Those are things that we have the opportunity to do in light of who we are in Christ. I mean, what would you say to that, Greg?
2: Well, it, I think the very fact that those people in your life were actually observing that in your life speaks to an indictment upon the body of Christ, mm-hmm. because the idea of integration and living an integrated faith—you um, know, men particularly—we're. We're we just put stuff in boxes, right? That's I, right. I, as a pastor, I've done so many hours of counseling with guys, it, it, especially in the context of marriage counseling, where, you know, we've got our work life and we've got our recreation life and we have our sex life and we have we have all these lives. But those boxes, they have doors on them; they're vaults, and and nobody's getting into those. And those don't cross over, right? And and yet that's not how God designed us as men at all. Right. And so you start thinking about this whole integrated man. It's like, no, I, this is who I am in Christ. And I get to be in my own personality, my own experiences, my own DNA. I get to live out this abundant life, this John ten ten life where he says, no, I've, I've wired you for purpose and call. I was just sitting with a man yesterday and, and uh, he's, he's in his forties and, and he's kind of struggling with next steps in his life. And, and just in those few moments, I was, I was talking to him, I said, let's think wider, let's think deeper, let's think bigger, because God has so much more for you than where you are right at this moment and what you're thinking about. And so the idea of compartmentalization as men, and then understanding, oh, wait a minute, this faith impacts and affects every area of my life, but then if I'm pouring that out, out of my pores, into other men's lives or into uh, into my family's life and my marriage context or into my workplace, all of a sudden I'm entering into a joy zone that is unspeakable. It is a completely different way of living, and every man wants to have that experience. They want it. They just don't know how to get it.
1: Well, and 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 that's it. And I'm not sure 100% of the time, you know, if, if a, as a young man I knew that that was what I wanted. But I knew that there were men in my life who I looked up to, who had invested in me for no real rational or apparent reason. They just, they loved me. And I was fortunate, and am fortunate, to have a dad you know, and grandparents that, that loved me and I knew that they loved me and they accepted me and there was nothing that was ever gonna change that. Um, but even so, some of these men that invested in me when they didn't have to, is a, is a powerful uh, way of speaking into lives. And and in this next segment, when we come back, um, I think we should talk a little bit more about that biblical role of having a Paul or Paul's in our life and, and having Timothy's in our life where we're both being fed, uh, from a relationship that's gone before us and feeding those that are coming behind us. Uh, for the listeners, this next segment might be the most important. Don't miss it. Thank you for tuning into The Beacon. We appreciate you.
0: Phoenix Christian believes strongly in its rich history and bright future. Now equipping students from pre-K through 12th grade. Learn how you can help continue its legacy of Christ-centered education at phoenixchristian.org forward slash support. You're listening to The Beacon, presented by Phoenix Christian.
1: Hey, well, welcome back to The Beacon. We are having a good time talking to our guest, Greg English, today. We have Jeff Blake in studio, and uh, Greg is working with an organization called Man in the Mirror, and uh, Man in the Mirror is coming alongside churches, Greg, and and making an opportunity, a vehicle, a, a provision, if you will, to invest Uh, in the men of their, of their church, um, and not just in the men, but the families that they connect with the coworkers that they're a part of the wives who they have the opportunity to, to lead and support and serve. And, uh, so we, we left off in our last segment talking about, um, the idea uh, as modeled in scripture, of having a, a Paul in our life somebody who's pouring into us uh, maybe more than one in different areas and and also having Timothy or Timothy's in our life who we get the chance to pour into because the reality is every one of us is on this journey this life's journey uh, that leads to an eternity which we pray for everyone within the sound of our voice will be an eternity spent with the king of king and the Lord of Lords uh, in heaven and that's Christ alone uh, but along the way if we look forward, there's people in front of us on the path. There's people behind us on the path or similar paths. And, and it is a really, a very biblical uh, designed model uh, to pour into and be poured into. And, and talk a little bit about the significance of that in the lives of the men that you're hoping to continue to reach with this truth.
2: Well, Steve, th- this is this is really is ground zero with men um, coming to the studio this morning Um, I passed a sign that said nobody is on this earth alone, Mm. and uh, it was kind of outside of a Starbucks, and I passed it fast enough that I didn't know what the back half of that was. But the premise with men is that um, we know intellectually that we're in life with other people. But the idea in Christianity that I think we would all say, yeah, I need a Paul, I need a Barnabas, and I need a Timothy in my life— the fact is one out of two men that you're going to be worshiping with this weekend, if it's statistically true in your congregation, and I would submit that it is, is that they don't even know to ask that question. Right. They're not even thinking about a Paul. They don't all they're trying to do is they're basically a cultural Christian. They're just they're just trying to to bring God onto their turf and make him the God that they want him to be. It's kind of like a vending machine kind of a God. Sure. And so what you're speaking to, I think the word that I would probably best describe for this in the, in the concept of men is living intentionally being intentional. And if I'm a Paul, then I'm going to be intentionally looking for a Timothy Mm-hmm. I the, the you you shared a personal story about a man uh, mm-hmm. in your life and I I just loved I loved hearing about that and I, I don't know if you're planning on sharing that with the audience but the idea that that there are men in our midst who are mature believers who have taken the mandate of presenting others mature in Christ mm-hmm. is making a huge difference in in men's lives, where it's a one-on-one or a one-on-two, because they're being intentional about that. Or what about the man who is the Timothy who recognizes he has enough maturity to recognize I need I need a mentor. Mm-hmm. I, I need somebody to speak into my life. Not very long ago, I had an opportunity to speak to a group of men, and there were about sixty of us, and I had an opportunity to do one of the breakout sessions, and I was speaking to them about just kind of the crying heart of the man and and needing to. Needing to live for a cause bigger than themselves, and and just moments after that, an individual came up to me, 35 years old, and he said, um, "I've been listening to you, and I've observed you, and I want to ask you a question." And I said, "What's that?" And he goes, "Would you mentor me?" Now, you need to understand the impact of that of the context. I had never met this man. Mm-hmm. He didn't know me. I didn't know him. I had observed that. I felt like he was really, really sharp. And, and he seemed to have some strong leadership skills amongst the men, but I didn't know anything. And my first response was, well, let, let's talk about this. Well, as I sit before this microphone this morning, we have now met multiple times and been in his home for dinner. And we're, we're doing life together, life on life, because there was an intentionality on his part to be – I need somebody older to speak into my life and I'm thinking that's fantastic and there's an intentionality I'd like to think on my part is like uh, I I'll speak into a Timothy whenever however wherever mm-hmm. for the purpose of being able to present them mature in Christ because Matthew 28 makes it pretty clear that's our mandate right And so um, so there there are Paul's and Timothy's, in our stride every day and let's not leave out the barnabas because men fundamentally are alone and lonely creatures and that's men of the church alone and lonely creatures and so we can have coffee and we could talk about news weather in sports, but if we're going to get it broken down much below that, it's going to require a true Barnabas-like relationship where there's safety and there's trust. And that happens with time, but that can't happen without intentionality. That has to be a part of the ingredient.
1: Well, and I, I and you're right. I, I think uh, the intentionality is, is the thing. I mean, we, we make goals. Uh, we make a, a to-do list each day. Yeah. And and that can quickly get filled up with things that well, all all of the things that go into that list are going to bring about some sort of results. When we apply the we steward or apply the the gifts and abilities that we've been given, the time that we have as a resource, the financial wherewithal, you know, um, all of those things when applied are going to create a result. And that result is 100 percent of the time going to fall in one of two categories. It's either perishable. Or it's imperishable. And the reality of it is that that intentionality that gives us the opportunity to, to see the Lord really bring about through us and our availability, those imperishable results, as you, as you mentioned, uh, uh, preparing men to, to be presented in Christ, you know, there and, and, and fully equipped and you're right. I mean, in my life, Um, the name wasn't Paul. It was Larry. It was, it was Denny. It was, you know, and, and it wasn't Barnabas. It was Scott, you know, it was, uh, and is Drew and Ken and, and men in my life that, that have come alongside me. And, uh, and then the Timothys, you know, um, some of which are actually named Timothy or th- these are just treasure relationships and they're built on a foundation and you, you hit on, on trust. But really there's kind of these three questions that I feel like within the context of relationships are being asked usually subconsciously, but, but always there one, do you care about me? That's right. Two, can I trust you? And three, you know, are you committed to excellence? In other words, do you, do you give a rip, do you care? Number two, are you gonna do what you say you're gonna do? Can I trust you at your word? And then three, um, you know, do you want the very best in our relationship, for me, for yourself? And, and I think when, those, when we get those answers relationally, and, and it may come in, a, in an activity as, as simple as, you know, hitting grounders to a couple of high school guys that are on a baseball team, and one of them's your son, and the other one's his, his friend. That relationship goes to a different level, and then it becomes useful in the hands of the master. And we're spending a lot of time because it's man in the mirror talking about men. And our we're three men in the studio, and that's our that's that's we can speak to this because we are experiencing it, and we know how important it is for men. But the reality of it is the principle goes uh, beyond gender. That that the I have three daughters, and and I pray among the things I pray for them, I pray that I would put people in their lives that are ahead of them that are not family, but somebody that they love and trust. And they know trust uh, loves them and, and cares about them deeply to invest in them. So this is not a, you know, it's not, a, it's not exclusively to men. We have some unique hangups because of how God wired us and women, I think generally are better at relationships. Um, and they're better at, at not creating those segments. Uh, that we create but that's why you know we're such a good complement for each other as men uh, and women
2: yeah god god had it had that plan right i i think one of the fears that i have as a as a product of part of this conversation today is that there there are likely men that are listening to our voices right now and they're going yeah but yeah but you don't understand what's going on in my right. life and and the, here's here's the reality of today's christian man these are the men that we're that we're celebrating life with right now, that we're actually having this conversation. This all sounds really good about Mm -hmm. the Pauls, the Barnabas, the Timothys, and, and we can even insert modern context names in there. But the truth is, 10 out of 10 men that we're worshiping with this weekend are struggling with work and life balance at all. They're just, they're feeling like, yeah, well, if you were living in my shoes, uh, this whole thing sounds good but i, I don't even I, I don't know which way is up i can't balance my work life with what my wife is wanting me to do with what with my kids sports programs and then you want me to work at church too really and so men are just like they're frazzled
1: today I'll tell you, two out of three in this office are in the studio this morning, for sure. I mean, at least it's that. the
2: number one issue in in Morley's latest book, his twenty first book that he's authored, which essentially becomes the book into the Man in the Mirror book, and he he summoned a focus group of of men, and guess what, ten out of ten work life balance and it's the same issue that he was talking about in nineteen eighty six in in his book, only it's just gotten bigger. It's it's blown up. But the men that, that we're trafficking with that that we're brothers of within the context of Christianity are men who are hurting. Eight out of ten guys that are going to work today are bored to tears. They have no purpose, no meaning in their work. And it's like it really is this all there is? Mm-hmm Six out of ten are making their minimum on their credit card. That's all they're they're doing. They're in financial bondage, they're in slavery. And you look at that, you go, Well, who do I know? Mm-hmm. Who do I know that I could help them in their personal financial world to be able to get some 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 structure? But six out of ten guys in America, in in the Christian church today, five out of ten. Are, are struggling with pornography. That's no secret to us. But if you have five out of ten Christian men, that's an identity problem. That's a, that's a, a discussion that, that if we can't figure that out in a, in a safe, relational, intentional, spiritual friendship, there's, they're not going to be able to unwind out of that. And what, what is the ultimate result? Well, 40% of men in church are divorced. Leaving a string of millions of kids who tonight are going to go to bed with one or neither of their biological parents. And these are not world's children. These are our church's children. And so the cry of a man's heart is real. And we need to be figuring out intentional spiritual pathways to to be looking and be be the Paul. And and as Timothy's is like, don't try to do this alone. Don't, don't do this by yourself. There are men who, who will help you, and then we need to be raising up an army of men within the context of the church I personally believe holds the secret to revival within the American church, because as you just rightfully pointed out, Steve, most men are attached to a woman, and most of them have families. And it's like, if we can't produce a healthy marriage, we have no hope to produce a healthy family, and
1: well, then you're not going to have a healthy church. A hundred percent, Greg. And I will do this, you know, as our time winds down in the show today, I want to thank you for being a guest. I want to plug the book by Patrick Morley called The Christian Man. This is the new book that is available. I want you to go see it, but more important than that, if you're listening and you're a man who's been, God's pricking your heart with regard to this subject, or maybe you're a lady listening and you're just like, Hey, I want my, my husband or my brother or son to know a little bit more about this. I will tell you this, that there's three guys on this show any of which you can find just by showing up at Bethany Bible Church in Phoenix, Arizona, and say, hey, somebody point, point out Greg to me, point out Steve or, or Jeff, and we will personally help you connect with us or somebody else that if you're intentional about this, there's a way for you, there's an opportunity right. for you, and we want to be a part of that. So Greg, I want to thank you again for being on the show. Jeff, in the very little bit of time that we have left, I'm sorry that we've We've kept you kind of tight, but this is an important subject and it's been covered well. Give us your thoughts as we close the show. This is huge. Let me give two stats. 77% 77 of children expelled from school, preschool all the way through 12th are boys. 70% of children and adolescent suicide are boys. There's a crisis in America. The church is part of the solution. We need to champion that. Phoenix Christians committed to that along with an army of other Christian schools and churches. Man, this is an opportunity to stand up invest in each other, encourage each other, be a Larry, be a Denny to each other. Greg, we're blessed you're here this morning. We stand with you, and we stand with Man in the Mirror, and we're proud to applaud it this morning. Thank you, Jeff. Um, Thank you to Phoenix Christian for being the sponsor of the show. Greg, thank you for investing time. We appreciate you being here. We will have on our our website, phoenixchristian.org forward slash beacon links, where you can get uh, more information and some help as we wrap up the show today. Uh, We just want to thank you again for listening. We hope you've been encouraged, challenged, and that you have some things that you can deal with that uh, might make a difference for the sake of eternity. Thanks again.